Hello, you're listening to the Overachiever Mama podcast. On the Overachiever Mama podcast, we discuss roles of moms throughout time, what struggles they have, fears, wins, and stretches that they have to accomplish everything. You're here for our third podcast. Yay! Today, we dive into stories that we have as children. Hello, I am Kira, Overachiever Mama connoisseur. I am constantly in this like thought process of what can I do next and what's the next big thing and what do I need to accomplish and how am I going to accomplish all of it. And so many moms are in this area where they too feel the same way. They have constant pulls and tugs and needs on them all the time. And I feel like every mom has this at every single stage of their children's lives. So how are we moms? We become moms when we get pregnant. And many people would argue and debate that, and today's not up for debate for that. When you become pregnant, you are a mom. You are now officially the vehicle for which your child is growing body parts and limbs and growing into what will eventually be a birthed child. And for moms, and God, I'd, you know, even going further deep into it, for people who adopt, your first time becoming a mom is when you hold that child in your arms. When you, you know, find out you're going to have that baby, and that first thought is, I'm going to be a mom. So for everybody, it's different. And for many people, the same process goes along where you find out you're pregnant and you become instantly become a mom. And if you had a struggle and you had, you know, to deal with in vitro or, you know, any type of thing like that, you're still a mom no matter what you do. Um, Friends of mine have become moms through um, adopting family members and nothing can take that mom title away from you. And I think... A lot of times people struggle with story behind why they became a mom rather than just being who they are. And we'll talk about it in a later episode about identity. But here today we're talking about the different stories that we had as children. When I was a little girl, and I don't really have very fond memories of being a little girl. I I have stories that have been told to me by my parents, and I see pictures, but the stories that I've heard and seen are not what I guess I envision in my head. And when a lot of people have been doing all of this deep inner work lately, and a lot of it talks about going deep within yourself to think back on the stories that you told yourself to make the beliefs that you have become beliefs. And for me, it's been a very interesting journey. And I feel like a lot of women, especially moms who are overachievers and have lots of stuff going on, you don't really have the time or make the time to just sit and resonate with what memories and what thoughts and what, you know, things come up in your head. So when I was a little girl, I was an only child for three and a half years before my sister was born. And when you're an only child, you get way more of the attention. 
Um, you also get way more of the expectations. Everything is put on you and whether or not you want it to be, it is. It's put on you because you're the firstborn. And um, my parents loved the, you know, bejesus out of me. And they did everything that they could to make me happy and keep a roof over my head and food in my belly. And the thing with being a young child is you're new. You're new to the world. You grow into this body and you grow these parts. And as you grow, your parts change and you become a different person. And you're no longer at the stage of needing constant coddling and loving and feeding and nursing and, you know, taking care of. Now you're growing into this independent individual at, you know, two years old. And I see it in my son all of the time. When I look at him and I look at all of the things that he's done, it's crazy to see how much he's changed. And when I look at like the overachieving side of me as a human, as a mom, as a person, I look back fondly on those times of my own life, the memories I don't really have, but I know that they're there because I lived them. And I see myself in my child and I see his embrace of life. And you know that that meme that everybody has going around where they're like, live life like a toddler and just dance. And I see my toddler when he sees or hears something that's a music of some sort, one of his songs, and he lights up and he gets so happy and he starts to dance and wiggle his arms. Kind of looks like Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld, so I think he gets the dance moves from me. But I look down at him, which is nice because I'm short and looking down at him is still something I can do. And I look down at him and I think to myself, gosh, what if I could be just like him, happy all the time and, you know, live on the idea that, you know, food is abundant and money is abundant because I can have everything I want and music makes me happy and when I'm sad, I am in my emotions and I feel all the feelings. When does that stop? When do we go from these you know, teeny tiny toddlers still learning and struggling and dealing with these really vibrant, big emotions and go into these grumpy, overwhelmed, overachieving adults. And it baffles me because I struggled for so long in the more recent years to figure out who I am. And I feel like a lot of women are out there kind of struggling to find their balance also. So when I look back, there were several instances that I have fond memories of that were higher than normal expectations. And they weren't put on me in a very bold way, like, you're going to do this and I command and demand it of you. No, they were just expectations that are generally put on a child when they enter into education, for instance. You go into school and your parents automatically put you in school and expect you to learn and hope for good grades and hope for learning. And, you know, that's that's a heavy load to put on an itty bitty body, that itty bitty body that has, you know, such a free spirit is now confined to several walls and a few breaks a day with some snacks in between. 
And when you look at our lives now, where are we? I'm staring at four walls and a few breaks in my day and some snacks in between. There's no real difference. So we automatically assume these roles on our children at super young ages. And it's not to say that if you're a mom and you put your child in school, that you're a bad mom. This is not that conversation. And I would never say that because you know what? Every single woman's story is different and every single one of us is going to struggle and deal with things very differently from every single person that you look at. Your best friend who's a mom may have a very different story and a very different upbringing, but similar roles where they have expectations put on them. And then there's little things like pageants and, you know, shows that they put on at school. And, you know, the expectation is that you behave. We suddenly put these behavior expectations on our kids. And, you know, we're already putting pretty decent behavior expectations on them. But now we're taking the behavior expectations and we're turning them into necessity. It's no longer inappropriate for you to be doing certain things. They are mandated. And then other times you have to do them or you'll get reprimanded, punished. Punishment is taught at a young age. It could be something as simple as you don't get to play with that toy anymore. And for a child with those big feelings, it can be an awful experience. So when we go back deep enough into my life, I look back at one particular story. My parents had just found out that they were going to have my sister. And I think I was like three at the time. My mom was pregnant. My mom stayed back. My dad brought me to Disneyland, which I don't know about you, but any three-year-old who's like already kind of obsessed with the Disney sphere of the world is like going to go crazy. Or no, it wasn't Disneyland. It was Disney World. And my dad surprised me. Didn't tell me. We just flew out there. And obviously it wasn't just a we just flew out there, right? Like there's all these technicalities. It was in the 80s. You know, like everything was different. There were way less restrictions on planes and, you know, probably a faster process to go through the airport, even now. And we go there. And again, it's a story I don't recall from my own personal memory. But my dad said it was the one of the most exciting times that he had been anywhere in his life because he got to see the magic through my eyes. And I didn't have any expectations. I literally went going with the idea that we were going on a trip. And as a three-year-old, you don't have high expectations. You're like, you know, at some point I'm going to eat and some point I'm going to snack and some point I'm going to nap and some point I'm going to do some stuff, right? And when you find out you're going to Disney World, your heart explodes. You're just like in enamored in this world of color and sound and smell, all of the possible senses. It's actually where he taught me about Figment. And if you don't know who Figment is, I advise you to look him up. He is the coolest character in the Disney World. And yet he is so very minor in the characters of the Disney World. So I'm at this Disney World event. And I'm seeing all the amazing things and doing all the amazing things. And it's a story that my parents bring up 
about how, you know, we found out you, you know, your mom was pregnant. We were having your sister. We wanted to make sure you got all of the best things. And we wanted to make sure that you felt like you were special. And that's super huge. But that super special feeling gets put on you. And it almost creates this like sense of loss. We want you to feel special. And yet you have a sister coming. And that's a huge change. Going from this three-year-old over-emotional little body to this three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old over-emotional, oh my gosh, what is that crazy little squirmy little screamy, noisy, stinky, whiny baby over there? And having to come to the realization that you're no longer the beating heart of the family that everybody talks about and loves on. You are now one of two. Some cases, that first one goes by the wayside. I was lucky that my parents took, you know, every ounce of them to put love into both of us. And, you know, there was multiple things that they did after that. Um, my favorite, um, I'm from Newark, California, and um, my parents enrolled me in a little program that Newark Days used to put on. Newark Days is like the city town hall where they have a small parade and a fair and there's all kinds of activities and things. My mom used to do um, jewelry and different sewing things, bibs and stuff like that. It's very like part of her life for a really long time. And so she would have a booth and my dad would take us around and do our little things. And the one thing that they did that I think started my high expectations of myself, and it wasn't something that was obvious that you'd be like, wow, Kira, you must be this most high expectation person on yourself. I was put into a pageant called Little Miss Newark. And in Little Miss Newark, there's, you know, 50 people or whatever. It could have been less. And... They take all of these little girls, I think you had to be under six years old, I was five at the time, and they take all of the little girls and they line them up and you're dressed in the cutest little dresses and the cutest little hair bows, cute little outfit, and then on the other side is cute little boys dressed in cute little bows and cute little bow ties and shoes and suits and the whole thing. Mind you, it's midsummer, so we're wearing hot dresses and hot suits in the middle of summer. But it's on a nice little stage and it's really fun and it's it's like a real life pageant except you're a child and as a child these expectations are put on you one behave stand on the stage and behave don't run away don't pick your nose don't pick your wedgies don't you know scream or yell or do anything weird don't make fart noises and i'm pretty sure like this is asking a lot of a group of five-year-olds I know because I'm a special ed teacher and I watch these kids all the time, just wilding out, special ed kid or not, just five-year-olds are wilding out children. And you put them all in a pageant and suddenly they have to behave their best possible manners. Not to say that kids aren't in their best possible manner all the time, but for many, it's a stretch. So I'm up there on the stage and I just come back from this Disney trip this may have been a second Disney trip. I think it was because I think we had all gone as a family and there was a story about a lost Mickey hat and having to travel back across the entire 
park to find a new one. And yeah, it's a whole thing. But they put me up there on the stage. And one of the questions, and I think they tried to prepare me. Like, I think my parents were pretty good at like, you know, teaching me things, flashcards and hooked on phonics and all of the things that they had back then before you go to school. And one of the stories that they tell me is that they lost my hat and I had to go, you know, all around, you know, and then we rode all the rides. And apparently, if you've ever been on Splash Mountain before they change it, Splash Mountain has all these little bears and all of these little sounds and it's very country twang. And there's lots of banjos playing in the background and it's a water ride. So you're in this log you're riding in there and they put you, usually the little people are in the front because they're lighter. So they're pushing it along and it's going do, 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 do. And then you get around another corner and it kind of, you go up a ramp. Ga, 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 and you go up and you can smell the water in there and you can hear the banjos and you can smell the water and it goes around and it's a good like five minute ride maybe seven minute ride. It's a pretty long ride. And then you get to the end. And just when you think, ah, the ride's over. That was fun. The ride shoots you down the longest possible elevated downturn. And you just go straight down into the biggest splash mountain ever. Now, mind you, I'm five. Everything is gigantic to a five-year-old. And we come down crashing into this wave. And of course I'm in front and I get doused with water. I am now completely covered, completely drenched in water. And I thought that I was going to die. And around the same time that all of this is happening, it's like, I think, gosh, I think this was like 91 or 92. I'm now five standing there up on the stage and the question that he asks me is something along the lines of what is the most amazing or most fun thing that you've done so far this year and a lot of kids answers were super cute you know my parents had a brother or sister for me i started school i learned how to use the big boy potty you know all the different answers and i said that i went to disneyland and I rode Splash Mountain. And as we were coming down, I thought I was going to die. And I'm going to give you a visual here. My hands are like on my cheeks, kind of like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, where he has his hands on his cheeks and he's like, ah! Except I had my hands on my cheeks with instinct, not with, you know, thinking about anything in reality. Just, I thought I was going to die and I had everybody in the crowd laughing hysterically like tears coming down some of their faces it was so funny now I'm standing up there just like not sure what to say because there's all these people laughing at me I wasn't trying to be funny I was just telling a story and as a five-year-old you're so animated and excited about all the things so I'm telling my story and all these people are laughing and then they come and they say, you know, the finalists, and they say all of the things, and they bring out the big trophy and the crown and the sash and all of the things. 
And the first thing that they do is they call the boy's name. And I can't remember for the life of me what his name is. My mom would remember. I think his name was Kyle or Kevin. He was little Mr. Newark. So at five years old, little Mr. Newark stands there on the stage holding his scepter and his crown and his sash. And they call the three girls up who are in the top three, me being one of them. And they call the winner. And it's Kira. And I stand there in all my amazing glory and all my crazy expectations that are now being put on me to be the queen. And I'm wearing my crown and I'm holding my flowers and wearing my sash. And they walk me forward and they tell us what we win. Now, as a five-year-old, when you find out that you're going to get free ice cream for a year from the local ice cream shop, and you get like a carton or two a week, dude, we had lots and lots and lots and lots of cavities. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we did have lots of ice cream for a really, really, really long time. And I think maybe that's why I don't really like ice cream now. My husband, on the other hand, he's got like an ice cream leg. He could find room in his body for ice cream no matter how much food he's eaten. So we go back to this pageant. We've got all these high expectations that are now placed on us, and I'm only five years old. And, you know, when you think what that does to a child who will eventually become an adult, their life is going to change dramatically. They're no longer in this reality of, you know, second best. Now they're first. Now they want more. Right? It's like when you taste something savory and you're like, ooh, that's good. Ooh, I want more. That's the, that was the first taste that I had of high expectations and high achievement. And I didn't do anything. I just rode a ride and did something funny. So when we look at the stories that we tell ourselves, we look back and we see these beliefs that we put on ourselves. I am a little girl, therefore I should like Barbies. And I should like, you know, girly toys, stuffed teddy bears, and pretty dresses and all of that. And, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, things were kind of separated. You were either into boy stuff or girl stuff. And it wasn't until around then, maybe a little bit later, that they started asking, do you want a boy toy or a girl toy? And I feel like half the time I would ask for the boy toy. The cars were way cooler than the girl toys. Like, plastified, ugly Barbie toys. My sister loved those. But I wanted the cars. I had so many of those little cars. Maybe it's where my um, child gets all his car obsessions. Although, my husband is totally a car guy. So, definitely runs in the family. But when you look back, and you think about the expectations that you already have as a five-year-old, where does that bring you? Where does that lead your mind and your ideals, your ideas, you know? Like, my parents set these expectations, and it wasn't, their, it wasn't any wrongdoing that anybody did. They did it to, you know, be a memory, to be fun for me, and it was. But it also started me on this path to wanting more. And, you know, as I'm in school and as I'm going through elementary school, I crave 
the win and I crave the success. The one teacher I remember, second grade, Miss D, she used to give out candy. I don't remember what candy. It was back when we were allowed to give candy. But she used to give out candy for, like, everybody who had a perfect score on spelling tests. And I would study my butt off. You know how many weeks I got candy? Whew, it was good. And then I remember, I think it was fourth grade. I don't remember her name. But she had those chupa chupa lollipops that she would like suck on and then it would become like a whistle stick at the end. And I remember hearing the sound of the bag, that crinkle, and knowing that it was the day for the test or the day for the game. And I was always prepared. And I carried it with me throughout high school. Just the high need to achieve and the high need to be better and be more. And it it's obviously carried itself throughout my life. I have... So many stories that I'm going to be telling you all on here. But it all goes back to when we were little. You know, like, probably even when we were still in the womb and they're talking to us in our mom's belly and, you know, the things that are said around us, the things that they do, you know? We we base our lives and our ideas off of the things that we see or hear. So when you're hearing your parents talking about You know, I had this successful venture and it went broad or it went big and now we're making three times as much. And like whatever those things were that you heard, maybe you didn't understand or comprehend, they still happened. And they still existed in your memory as a success or a win for your parents. And you take that and you take that as a win. And so many people don't get to experience this. So when I go back to my mindset coaching piece, when I coach my clients and I talk to them about mindset and I want them to really associate themselves with their success, I ask them to look back at the fondest memory that they have, the earliest memory that they have of a success. And for me, that was being little Miss Newark. And it wasn't something that I did. It wasn't something that, you know, like so many pageants you see now where they like pay for their kid to win or whatever. Not everybody gets a trophy like they do now. And I won based on whatever you would call my merits. And every single expectation that you put on yourself begins when you're little. So I ask my clients to go back and I ask them to look at their earliest memory and figure out, you know, what are those things that you really hold near and dear as beliefs? Were you somebody that was taught or ushered to strive for success and strive for more? And has that affected who you are today? Are you now somebody who overachieves? You constantly feel the need to please or constantly feel the need to have something done? And if so, can you reframe some of the negatives that are happening in your head like, I'm not good enough when you've spent all day cleaning the house? Well, hell, you might not be good enough, but you sure as heck clean the entire house in two hours. That makes you pretty freaking awesome. 
And, you know, all of these moms that are working moms, I get it. I am a full-time working mom on top of this coaching gig and being a, you know, mom to my kid and husband-wife situation. Like, there's a lot, a lot of demand. And you look at it and you say, you know, I've got all of these tasks that need to be completed, but there's never enough time for you. And so when I talk to my clients, I ask them, you know, let's, let's handle and work on what makes you a success in each of these areas. What are the main, you know, five main components that make you you? Is it that you are a stay-at-home mom? Is it that you're a working mom? Do you work three jobs? Do you, you know, what, it, what is it that you do? And what makes you feel like you've been an accomplished person in that role? And once we figure out what that role is for you, and we're able to kind of hone in on where it originally started for you, we kind of get back to a place where we're comfortable, where we're understanding. And now we can reframe and tweak what's said in our mind and then what's said out loud so that when our unconscious mind says all these things and we feel all these feelings because our unconscious mind says it, we can reframe what our conscious mind says so that it comes out positive. So I hope that all made sense and I hope that today's story of being young and having high expectations at a young age really helped you to kind of focus in on where do your stories come from and where where could they change? Where could we take the story, your experience, and turn it into something that makes you feel like an achiever and a success? I'm so happy that you guys were all here for my third podcast. I look forward to seeing you all in the Facebook group. It is linked up in my bio. You can also find me on Facebook at Unapologetically Kira and on Instagram at Unapologetically Kira. And upcoming on Monday, I have a free webinar for overachieving mamas who are struggling with overwhelm and stress and frustration. Love to have you there. Our upcoming program is also launching here in the next couple of days. So if you're looking to get that nice, big, fun discount and get some real action on your life, please join us. All right. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all soon.